Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, these these two guys on, on some podcast named Limited Resources, I heard something about them challenging us to to a team draft, maybe? Did you, did you hear anything about that going on in the magic world? Yeah, I, I, had, not, I had never heard of these guys. Marshall and L- Luis, I think, Luis. I, I don't really know. I had never heard of them, but they <laughs> they challenged us to some sort of, of competition. Yeah, I think a team draft. We're going to get Alex Nikolic on our team. They're going to get Andrew Beckstrom, some sort of Lords versus Resources challenge. What do you think about this? I mean, I am beyond stoked to throw down with some of the greatest ever play the game yeah we're basically free rolling right yeah 100 percent. so i mean we're we're huge underdogs and we're already winning by virtue of the fact that louis scott vargas marshall sutcliffe and andrew beckstrom are going to be playing limited with us i know yeah we've i feel like we've already won exactly so that that was something if you if you aren't listening to limited resources that that would be highly surprising to me but uh they uh gave gave us a little throwdown at the beginning of their last episode and we have asked and answered the challenge here so uh so balls in your court gentlemen and can you imagine when we win <laughs> don't jinx it don't jinx it knock on wood don't don't call the no hitter How, how's uh how's your week ben well, it's been great uh it's a busy week with marching band you know enjoying the three-day weekend for labor day weekend getting caught up on all those zendikar arising previews yeah we are we're recording on a monday here monday morning uh just the day of r- releasing this episode so that we can have as many previews to talk about as possible and our show notes are jam-packed ben we were sort of worried about having enough to talk about. And I'm looking at page one of eight here in our Google Doc. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we'll have no shortage of information here. We're going to talk about all things Zendikar Rising previews. We got a little bit of housekeeping to do before diving into that. First things first, talking about the Lords of Limited Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Everybody who gives back to the show gets access to the Lords of Limited Discord. I'm going to sound like a broken record here, Ben. Each and every week we talk about this, especially at the start of a new set. But now is the time to get in on the Discord. We are going to be breaking the format in week one here. Uh, everybody's going to be diving into all things Endicar Rising. You know, what's the play? What's the build? Looking at those trophy decks, seeing what's winning early. I really am so very much looking forward to breaking this format open with the Discord. And even just breaking down spoilers. You know, the first the first day of spoilers, I had so much FOMO and I got, I got home from school and I spent like 15 minutes in the spoilers page on the Discord. And I was like, all right, I feel I feel kind of caught up. I feel I feel good. Yeah, and I would be remiss if I did not welcome each and every one of our new patrons the first week that they join. So this week we are welcoming Jason, Niels, Toby, Wesley, Thor, Kevin, Adam, Jack, Chris, Kevin, Garrett, Evan, Lloyd, Gerard, Walter, and Newt. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. As always, our patrons are fantastic. And in addition to the Patreon, we are proud to be sponsored by ChannelFireball.com here. What's going on with CFB these days, Ben? CFB's got a new spoilers page as part of preview season. I assume this will continue on through uh, new sets as they come around. It's located at ChannelFireball.com slash spoilers. And it's an image gallery that gets updated every time new previews hit. It's never going to contain leaks, only official previews. And we'd love to point people to that as their spoilers page of choice. Yeah, it's it's pretty sexy. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, but uh, it's a really, really nice overlay. Ooh, very cool. I've, I've just been seeing the ones that they post on Twitter. Yeah. And speaking of CFB, both you and I are writing articles for CFB Pro. And if that's something you're on the fence about, I think the articles we're writing are very, very good. And if you're on the fence, let that push you over the edge. Head on over to CFB, sign up for Pro and use code LOL uh, when you check out for getting pro or anything over at CFB to let the folks over at Channel Fireball know um, that we sent you there and that lets them know that our podcast should matter to them. Yeah, a couple other things I wanted to talk about before we dive into Zendikar Rising. This past weekend, uh, I participated in a charity relay stream for No Kid Hungry. Uh, Watsi provided, uh, I think it's eight streamers. 
uh, provided a new account on Arena fully stocked. And the goal was to get from uh, bronze to mythic in I think it was just under 48 hours. And we got there, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, that was sweet. I watched you do a party stip draft. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it, it was a charity stream. So there were a lot of incentives for people to donate. And one of them was, you know, you could sort of mess with the draft. And one of my viewers, I was also a member of the Discord, Gamer GC. He had me do a sort of, in anticipation of Zendikar, had me do a party stip draft where I had to draft only, you know, was it warriors, wizards, clerics, and rogues? And we almost got there. I just didn't, I think Slitherblade is the only rogue in the format. And I didn't see a Slitherblade, which is kind of a bummer. But I didn't end up with a blue-green, like, aggro deck with a bunch of warriors, wizards, and clerics. And I actually got seven wins. <laughs> nice. <laughs> kind of crazy. Five Ronus of Stalwarts really got the job done. Very cool. All right. Well, let's kick things off here, Ben, with our Lords of Limited official Zendikar Rising preview card. Yeah, we've got a sweet one here. This is Canyon Jerboa. This is two and a white for a one-two creature mouse. And it has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. My jaw kind of hit the floor when I saw this card in our email inbox. Yeah, you texted me. I don't remember if you texted me or messaged me on Discord, but you were like, wow, our preview card is gas. <laughs> right? This card seems really strong to me. Yeah, it's going to be great in any landfall aggro deck, especially one that wants to go wide. This card's a beater. Yeah, I, th I anticipate this card feeling, I mean, I guess it's not tough to deal with because its body on its own isn't so impressive as a three mana one, two. Can you imagine a turn like where you do this and you, you know, play that red spell that lets you sacrifice a land, get another land? I think this is going to be able to routinely pump your team plus two plus two with not very much effort. Yeah, this card's scary. I mean, could you imagine having two of them also? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> like, it's a little spicy, a little spicy. So I, I anticipate this card. I don't know. This feels like just a rock solid B to me. I feel like I'm going to be taking this out of a lot of packs I see it in. Yeah, I think I'd land on B minus myself for now, but I think this is going to be great in any white, red, white, green landfall aggro deck. For sure. Well, let's let's talk about what sort of things we're seeing in Zendikar in terms of mechanics, and then maybe we can look at those a little deeper, and then we've got a ton of individual cards that we want to talk about. Yeah, so the first headliner mechanic is modal double-faced cards, MDFCs. Every time I, I see MDFC typed out, my brain just starts to go through curse words. Yes, <laughs> I yes. I can't stop. My, and I'm like a fairly not that type of person. And I just can't stop myself. Well, I think it's I think it does. It's not helped by like RTFC being a frequent thing. Like seeing FC feels like something different. <laughs> um, but anyway, so these are double sided cards and you essentially just choose which side you're playing. So when you have a modal double faced card in your hand, your graveyard or exile, it's got the characteristics of its front face only um, and you can tell that the front side of the card has like a little black triangle symbol in it and the name is in black lettering and then the back side has like a little symbol with two white triangles on it and the card name is in white lettering and so far all of these in zendikar rising i think this is going to be true for the whole set are hybrid spells slash land cards well except for there's the rare cycle that is land land right they're like sort of split duels you can like play one as a forest or a mountain that sort of thing Oh, right. Yeah, those are sweet. Yeah, those are pretty sweet. We're constructed. That's, Who cares about that? Yeah, but that, I, it, I am very impressed when I see like innovate. I'm just like, how could they come up with a different thing for dual lands? And then they innovate and they do. And I, it's, it's pretty impressive to me. Yeah, I agree. And these are looking to be very powerful. We will talk about them a little bit later in the episode. But essentially, you know, you have the choice of playing your card as a land or if you don't need lands and all of them are ETB tapped, I think, except the rare ones. Or you get to play them as whatever is on the other side, instant sorcery, creature, etc. Yeah, you. I think I was streaming on Saturday for the charity stream, and you were in my chat. You're like, all right, so what's what's the Ethan hot take on these uh, these double face card lands? And I was like, is there any other take? to have other than that they're very powerful yeah i mean they're so good yeah so we're, we're gonna get to that in just a little bit next up we got to talk about party so the aforementioned uh stip draft that i had so party is four different creature types cleric rogue warrior and wizard the number of creatures in your party is how many of the roles you can fill with a creature you control and now it's important to note that each creature you control can fill a maximum of one role so some things will have multiple or perhaps all four creature types um, but you can only choose one of them to count towards your party and party cards care about a number of creatures in your party so you're looking for a number between zero and four but almost you know if it's a creature that has something that cares about it it's always going to count towards it for one so i think that's an important thing to always remember when evaluating these cards yes yeah, so we want to take a look at one here we've got coveted prize this is four and a black for a sorcery and it costs one less to cast for each creature in your party this is a rare 
Uh, you search your library for a card, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. If you have a full party, you may cast a spell with converted mana cost four or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. I mean, this card is very exciting to me. That the, the ceiling of it being a sort of, you know, you tutor up the card you want and then play it is very exciting. And then also the fact that, you know, we've seen, what have we seen before? Diabolic Tutor is the the two black black search a library for a card. And then, you know, OG old school demonic tutor being one and a black for that effect. The fact that you could get this down to even a single black is kind of crazy. Single black and then cast the card for free. Yeah. I mean, what we don't know is how easy it will be to assemble a four party. You know, thinking about board states in limited where you have four creatures that are alive, like that's a very good board state for you. I mean, I guess board stalls. I don't know how often that's going to happen in this format. I think the more board stalls that this format has, the more you're likely to have a full party, you know? Right. Next up for mechanics, we've got a returning mechanic. This is Kicker and is an additional cost that appears on different kinds of cards. It usually has to do with mana. Sometimes it'll be sacrificing a creature, but essentially it's another cost that you can pay to power up your spell or creature or whatever it is that you're playing that has Kicker on it. Yeah, and this is a nice thing that works in tandem with Landfall, which is back from original Zendikar and was on our preview card, Canyon Jerboa, but it's an ability word that triggers whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control. So Ben, did you play back in OG Zendikar? This was like just before I came back to Magic. I was also, it's so funny, we're we're just the same person. (laughs) This is also just before I came back to Magic. Um, I did do some Zendikar flashback drafts on Magic Online, so I have played the format, but was not playing in its heyday. So Landfall as a mechanic sort of incentivizes aggressive decks because you get bonuses mostly on creatures on your turn, right? When you play your land for your turn. And even though it was a hyper aggressive format, you often were still running like 18 lands, I think was the general consensus because at a certain point, in the game, lands or spells were good draws for you. You wanted to make sure you curved out, and then you still wanted to hit your land drops to trigger all your landfall creatures. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's interesting how landfall is going to play with kicker, because kicker is also a mechanic that sort of not incentivizes you to play more lands, but sort of rewards you for having more mana, so you get that bonus when you kick something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm sort of seeing a couple things that are making me think, well, maybe this will be a higher land count format, but how do the modal double face cards work with that? We're going to have to figure out. All right. So moving on to our signpost uncommons, we're going to take a look at the gold uncommon for each color pair and see maybe where that points us. Uh, so blue white first, maybe looks like it might be party matters. So uncommon here is spoils of adventure. What's this one do? Oh, baby. This is this has Ethan written all over it. Four white blue for an instant. You gain three life and draw three cards, but the spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. So it has the potential to cost as little as just a single white and single blue. That would be absurd. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of wild. So I mean, but maybe even just like, I feel like even getting a single mana discount on this card and you're kind of doing it five mana gain three draw three at instant speed is quite good yeah i agree yeah so i'm pretty excited about that card they also have a really i don't know how i feel about this name here ben journey to oblivion as a sort of nod to journey to nowhere and oblivion ring this is four and a white for an enchantment oh yeah i didn't even put that together that feels a little forced it's a little forced right (laughs) this is four and a white for an enchantment it costs one less to cast for each creature in your party and it's it's sort of like the catch-all removal spell for white when it enters the battlefield exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until journey to oblivion leaves the battlefield yeah i mean it's raw power i mean it's not really a party payoff in the sense that it's just a very good card yeah but i think you're probably going to be maximizing it if you get it in a blue white deck that really cares about party yeah i mean we'll have to see how fast the format is but i could see if this is costing i mean at the base level it's costing five that feels a little expensive but maybe if you can get it down to four or three mana then it's okay it seems fairly easy to get things it it feels fairly easy to get party things to be two less okay that's my hot take that doesn't seem that like that hot of a take i expect hotter takes from you in the next 40 minutes but <laughs> all right I'll, I'll see what i can do to you step, step up my it game. up yeah next up we've got red black which also seems to have party matters perhaps is, is party matters well we'll get into that in just a little bit but party matters seems to be across basically every color except for green that seems to just enable party stuff rather than have payoffs so far right but the the thing about blue white and red black 
is that they have they're the only two color pairs that get all four creature types as like either primary or secondary in their colors so they're, they're the only two color pairs that take advantage of that i'll break that down a little bit later in the episode sweet so what do we got going on here for red blacks gold uncommon we've got ravager's mace one black red for an artifact equipment when it etbs attach it to target creature you control equipped creature gets plus one plus oh for each creature in your party and has menace and it has an equip cost of two black red this is glaive of the guild pack 2.0 i mean i don't know if i would call it that good but those are the kind of hot takes we're trying to get out to the people ben Uh, I miss Glaive of the Guild Pack. I do too. Oh man, that was so fun to play during the Ravnik Stravaganza Supreme Draft thing. So I think now is probably a good time maybe to talk about these auto-equip cards. There's like a cycle of these, an uncommon. There's even a common one that looks a little clunky. It's called Utility Knife. This is a single mana for an equipment. When it ETBs, you can attach it to target creature you control. And then equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has an equip cost of three. So what are your takes on these these auto-equip cards? I think this is a cool take on equipment. I mean, we saw it with Rosethorn, Halberd too, and Eldraine. Oh, yeah. I I think they're likely to be fine to good. I mean, certainly this red-black one is powerful if you're turning it on with party. Yeah, I think so too. I think this this is a a really powerful card. I mean, giving something like plus two, plus O and Menace, plus three, plus O and Menace, that's really hard to not, like your opponent either is taking a big chunk of damage or you're definitely getting a two for one when they block. Yeah, it's pretty expensive. I mean, if you only have one creature on the battlefield or something, you're not excited to pay four to give your creature plus one, plus O and Menace. I think the floor is kind of low, but the top end is very, very good. Yeah. So do you think you really have to maybe build around it to maximize it? I think so, for sure. Not just going to be good in any black red deck. That is, yeah, no, I don't think so. All right. Next up, we've got the Selesnia card. This is a Marasa Root Grazer. It's green-white for a 2-3 beast with vigilance. And you can tap to put a basic land card from your hand onto the battlefield. And you can also tap to return a basic land you control to its owner's hand. This card seems sweet to me. Yeah, this is pretty spicy. The fact that it has vigilance means you're going to be in the middle of combat, be able to threaten triggering landfall. Your opponent's not going to know whether or not you're going to be able to do that. So, I mean, you're going to be able to make some bluff attacks even if you don't have lands in your hand. I think this card is very good. And and green-white looks very much like it wants to be landfall beat down. Well, and the second ability just guarantees you will get a landfall trigger every single turn. That's really powerful. Well, every other turn right no i don't have a land to play for turn i tap it return a land i control and then play that land oh you're right yeah you just won't be able to do it at instant speed every turn no but like a lot of stuff i mean yeah you won't be able to do it instant speed every turn but you will be able to have landfall every turn which i think is powerful oh yeah for sure we've also got a card that you know not while not green white goes along in the same vein of wanting to be down this is fearless fledgling one and a white for a 1-1, one, one. Griffin, and has landfall whenever land enters the battlefield under your control. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Fearless Fledgling, and it gains flying until end of turn. Yeah, this card seems really powerful to me. I mean, obviously, it's a bad top deck, but in, if this is in your opener, holy cow. It's not even that bad of a top deck, right? Like, you'd be happy to play a two mana, two, two flyer, which is, you're gonna be able to make this that, like, if you start sandbagging lands at the end of the game, and we've seen ways to trigger landfall, I don't even think this is a bad top deck. I th- so here's my counter to that is that like doesn't come down as a two mana two two flyer comes down as a two mana one one so it can't block flyers the turn it comes down. And if you're thinking about this in an aggro deck, this isn't like there are going to be times where you're just like, I just need to top deck literal anything to help me push damage. And this doesn't do that. Yeah, but I mean, the times where it's like good or comes down in the middle of the game, it's it's so powerful. Can you imagine this in best of one in the play? The game's just over. Oh, no. Best of one landfall. Why? (laughs) No. Uh, what do we got next up in uh, white black white black looks like it's looking to be clerics matter and life gain matters um so our uncommon here is cleric of life's bond this is white black for a 2-2 whenever another cleric enters the battlefield under your control you gain one life and whenever you gain life for the first time each turn put a plus one plus one counter on cleric of life's bond yes please sign me up yeah, I mean, just a, a rock-solid, straightforward card. You don't need to care about life gain. You care about clerics. It's going to grow larger. This does it all. Yeah, for sure. We got another card here that looks to play nicely with that in Attended Healer. It says three and a white for a 2-3 at Uncommon. It's a cleric. Whenever you gain life for the first time each turn, you make a 1-1 white cat creature token, and you can pay two and a white to give another target cleric lifelink until end of turn. So looks like a pretty good enabler, though the body here is a four mana 2-3. Isn't that great? No, but I mean, if you're getting, if you assume you're getting a 1-1 cat 
even once per turn cycle and potentially you know on your your turn and the opponent's turn it's going to get out of hand in a hurry yeah for sure and then can you imagine going wide with those cats and then playing our jerboa and giving them all plus one plus one i can yeah that's gonna be sweet next up we've got a blue red which is wizards and spells what's going on here so the signpost uncommon here is umara mystic one blue red for a one three merfolk wizard with flying and whenever you cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell umara mystic gets plus two plus oh until end of turn so this is just sort of like we Dragonauts, but except with the wizard spell tacked on as well. Yeah, I mean, we Dragonauts is a good card. Yeah, and this stacks, right? Like it doesn't, it could be a 5-3 attacking depending on how many things you can cast in a turn. Absolutely. There's some other cards that go along with this theme. There's Windrider Wizard. Uh, this is two and a blue for a 2-2 flyer. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell, you can draw a card and then discard a card. So you get a loot for free. Windrake with upside. Yeah, and then there's Rockslide Sorcerer, three and a red for a 3-3. Three, three. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell, it deals one damage to any target. And this is the, the first in... What looks like perhaps a long line of things that are punishing one toughness creatures in this format, Ben. Yeah, it's not looking great. It's not looking great for X1 so far. I mean, we, we may see some some stuff uh, before the full spoiler drops in a few days, but so far I'm, I'm pretty wary of those kinds of creatures. That just is a Lords of Limited staple. X1s are terrible. Yeah. Well, but they weren't in M21, right? No, they weren't. You're right. Next up is blue-green. This is ramp slash kicker. I'll let you do the honors here. I imagine you'll be playing a lot of blue-green decks in this format. <laughs> Thank you. This is Lull Mage's Familiar. One green-blue for a 2-4 beast. You can tap to add green or blue, and whenever you cast a kicked spell, you gain two life. Oh, this card is just, just beautiful. The card's bonkers. It's stats. It's yeah. ramp. And it's stabilization. What more could you want out of a card? I don't know. It's very, very good. And there seems to be a lot of cool payoffs for kicker in blue green at uncommon what do we got here yeah first up is marasa sproutling this is two and a green for a plant elemental creature it has kicker for one and a green and whenever it enters the battlefield if it was kicked you return target card with kicker from your graveyard to your hand yeah I want, i'm curious to see how many cards with kicker at common are going to exist because all these are uncommons but the support is definitely there where there's also merfolk falconer which is just air elemental with upside three blue blue for a four four merfolk wizard with flying whenever you cast a kicked spell scry two. Ooh, nice. Yeah. We've also got Vine Gecko. This is one in a green for a 2-2 Elemental Lizard. And the first kick spell you cast each turn costs one less to cast. And whenever you cast a kicked spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Vine Gecko. I'm so excited for this archetype. I hope it's good. It looks very good. Yeah. That is some serious supported uncommon. Next up, we got Red Green Landfall Beats. What's the signpost uncommon here? We've got Brushfire Elemental. This is Red Green for a 1-1 one, one Haste. And Brushfire Elemental can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less and then has landfall whenever land enters the battlefield under your control. Brushfire Elemental gets plus two plus two until end of turn. So two mana three three, I guess two mana one one haste, but on turn three and onward, like it just basically can't be chumped. Kind of crazy. Yeah, it's I mean, red green looks to again be landfall aggressive stuff. And I think this is going to be a great beater. Yeah, there's sort of a nod to OG Zendikar. There, there was a card, Plated Geopede, at Common. It was one in a red for a 1-1 one, one with first strike, and it had landfall. It got plus two, plus two. It was, like, basically unblockable. We don't quite have that here. This is Skyclave Geopede at Uncommon. Two in a red for a 3-1 with Trample, and has landfall. gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. I mean, this is still a very good card. We haven't seen a ton of ways to get multiple lands in play, right? Yeah, there's one green card that lets you search up two lands, like sack a land and search two lands. Do you think Evolving Wilds is going to be in the set? Ooh, that would be poggers. Yeah, I hope it is, but I, we haven't seen it yet. Next up, we got Green Black Counters slash Graveyard Matters. Yeah, there seems to be like a plus one plus one counter theme going on, and that's concentrated in Green Black with the uncommon being Moss Pit Skeleton. Black green for a 2-2 two, two with kicker 3. If it was kicked, it enters the battlefield with 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. So a 2-mana two 2-2 two, two, or a 5-mana five 5-5. Five, five. And whenever 1 or more plus 1 plus 1 counters are put on a creature you control, if Moss Pit Skeleton is in your graveyard, you may put it on top of your library. You can't, it can't just go back to your hand. I know, that's what I was thinking. I read it as goes back to your hand the first time until just now when you were reading it and I was a little bit bummed. Yeah. I mean, that's still good. Like generally drawing this is probably better than drawing other things in your deck. Right, for sure. Like a recurrable five mana five five is sweet. We've got a lot of other things going on here. Next up is Skyclave Shadow Cat. This is three and a black for a three three cat horror. 
and you can pay one and a black, sack another creature to put a plus one plus one counter on Skyclave Shadowcat. It also has whenever a creature you control with a plus one plus one counter and it dies, draw a card. Ooh, baby. That's an engine. That's pretty sweet. That's really good with the skeleton. Yeah. Uh, we've got Iridescent Horn Beetle up next. Four and a green for a three, four insect at Uncommon. At the beginning of your end step, create a 1-1 green insect creature token for each plus one plus one counter you've put on creatures under your control this turn. Wow. So you kick the skeleton and you get three one ones. Yeah, that's pretty absurd. Wow. That's cool. And then some less powerful stuff. We've got some pseudo lords at common for plus one plus one counters. There's Hagra Constrictor. Uh, tuna black for a snake that enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it it's a zero zero so it's essentially a two two and each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has menace then there's sort of a trample lord in gnarled colony it's one and a green for a two two uh it has kicker two and a green if it was kicked it enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it and each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has trample yeah so it looks like there's some serious support for that as well yeah, and then we've got the last two color pairs had yet to have their signpost uncommon spoil, but we have a pretty good idea of what's going on with them. What's what's red white looking to do, you think? Red white certainly looks to be warriors matter. Um, it also seems to have from what some of the commons are talking about and some of the uncommons to have an equipment matters type theme as well. Mm -hmm. I think that might play nicely with those auto equip cards. And then blue black seems to be mill, uh, specifically getting eight or more cards in your opponent's graveyard for bonus. Also has sort of a rogues matter sub theme, which you can see sort of all piled into one card here in Shadow Stinger, which is two and a black for a one for Vampire Rogue. Uh, it has whenever it deals combat damage to a player, that player mills three cards and you can tap another untapped rogue you control to have Shadow Stinger gain death touch until end of turn. This card seems kind of sweet to me because it has threat of activation you know this is hard to block right it's very hard to block and you're probably not going to have to tap that other rogue yeah there's also nimana skitter sneak that's a mouthful this is three and a black for a three four human rogue and as long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard nimana skitter sneak gets plus one plus oh and has menace yeah i thought four mana four four menace hello cavern whisperer all right let, let's get to it ben modal double-faced cards you have in the show notes here what are they and why are they busted yeah these cards are so absurd so we talked about it earlier they are hybrid land slash spell cards for the most part let's let's just take a look at one right off the bat here so sajiri shelter this is one and a white instant target creature you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn on the front side and then if you flip it over it's sajiri glacier which is an enter the battlefield tap land that taps for white mana so all of these are going to be in the same vein. They're going to be some sort of a spell or creature on the one side and a tap land on the other. These cards are so powerful. Yeah, I mean, just there's a lot of them that are just straight up, you know, cards that are fine situational tricks or whatever. There are some of them that are just like straight up good cards that you'd play, just like big fatty creatures. And the fact that you get to have that option of that's a land when I need a land or a land when I need a landfall trigger and it's a spell when I need it to be a spell is incredibly flexible. You just don't often get that kind of power in limited. Right. Well, and so I've seen a lot of different takes on these ranging from they're going to be, you know, absurdly high first picks, which is sort of where I'm on to, to you know, people talking about them having diminishing returns. And I, that might be true to a certain extent. But I mean, I'm playing six or seven or eight of these quite happily, I think, if I could get them. I don't think you're going to be able to get that many, but I'm, I'm definitely playing that many. We haven't seen them at lower than uncommon rarity yet, right? Right. And so the, the scuttle is that they're going to be seated into the packs similar to the war planeswalkers that there's going to be a slot dedicated to modal double-faced cards and there's going to be one per pack. Right. Yes, that's what I've heard as well. So, you know, I don't know if there's 24 open at the table. I don't know how many you're going to be able to get your hands on. I don't think the the six, seven, eight life is going to happen that often. But it's I think these are going to be pretty high picks out of most packs they appear in. Yeah, I think they're they're very busted. I think you're frequently going to be replacing lands on a one-to-one -one ratio with these cards. And and it's going to, similar to, you know, the, the cycling deserts, it's going to skew your land count upwards, right? If you get four of these modal double-faced cards, you're much more likely to run like 14 lands and the four double-faced cards as 18 lands or 15 lands and the four double-faced cards yeah. as 19 lands. That's exactly what I was thinking as well, especially in tandem with how many landfall triggers you have. Like, I don't think this means like, oh, okay, I have four of these, so I'm going to run 13 lands and these four. I still think you want to skew a little higher. Well, right. And they're even better than the cycling lands in the sense that when you don't want to land, 
you're guaranteed to get the spell, right? Right. So it's like sometimes you've got stuff like there's just Akum Warrior, which is five in a red for a four five with trample on one side. And then the other side is Akum Teeth, which is just an end of the battlefield tapped red source. So that's just like, that's a real card. And so in your opener, this is probably going to be played on turn one as a land. And then when you top deck this, it's a six mana four five trampler, which is a real card. And you get to count that as a land slot in your deck. Right. So that's that's why they're absurdly powerful, right? Because there's going to be, okay, so picture picture your red deck having, you know, 13 mountains and four Akum warriors or whatever, just to simplify it. Let's say you're mono red, right? And the games where you draw, you know, of your 13 lands, you draw your first four or five naturally, and you don't need to hit more than that. Those other four Akum warriors are free spells that you get to put in your deck, right? That's right. absurd. And then on the games where, you know, you draw your Akum Warrior, great, you know, you play it and you need it as a land, you play it as a land. You still have some others that you could draw that potentially aren't going to be lands. It's just giving yourself, and it's not going to work out every game to where you get to play these as extra spells. But the games where it does, you're going to be up three or four spells on your opponent. Think about in Magic, how many games come down to, well, I flooded a little bit, so my opponent got to play two more spells than I did, and that was the deciding factor in the game. All of a sudden, you have protection from that. Or there's one two-for-one that happens, and that's the backbreaking thing that decides the game. One resource greater often can decide a game of Magic Unlimited. And and the games where you you don't draw your modal double-faced cards early and have to play them as lands, you're just giving yourself a chance to have your deck be so much higher power as a result of that yeah and the fact that now we're seeing some and i assume more are, are gonna come these like situational cards that like like an active treason effect here you've got song mad treachery three red red for a sorcery gain control of target creature until end of turn untap that creature it gains haste until end of turn and then the flip side is an etb tapped red source so you know active treason is not a powerful card outside of like a steel and sack dedicated deck But the times when that effect is going to win you the game, then you have it. And the times when you don't want that effect, then you just get a land, you get to trigger landfall, you get one land closer to casting your four or five tramplers. I'm like, I'm gushing about these cards. Right. And Song Mad Treachery isn't even one of the good ones, right? That's one of of the less good ones, but still the ability to. And so here's my take. I think the lower power level or the more situational card is, so something like Song Mad Treachery, yeah, yeah. the more you just want it to straight up replace a land in a one-to-one ratio. If I'm in my you know 17 land deck, I'm fine having one of my lands be a tapped land or an act of treachery. That's very powerful, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think the higher powered ones, so something like Colony Ambush, which is two and a green instant target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. The more interested I am in casting the card, the more I am going to think about that being one that pushes me towards my 18th land or my 19th land, potentially. And certainly when you get into some of the rares, they're absurd. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're mostly focusing on commons and uncommons here because we are a limited podcast. If you want, you want people talking about rares and mythics, there's plenty of places for that. So my question is, and I think it's really interesting how these modal double face card as tap lands interact with landfall maybe even slash kicker, but more I'm looking at landfall as an aggressive mechanic generally. Do tap lands then slow down those aggro strategies at all? Do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, I don't think it's going to make me not run these cards. I no, mean, no, is, no. It going, is it going to be a bummer to potentially stumble because you have tap lands? Yeah, but I think it's worth well worth the risk to potentially have the spells be relevant. Yeah, I agree. So let's just take a take a look at a few more here. There's Kazul's Fury. This is two in a red instant as an additional cost to cast the spell sacrifice a creature. Kazul's Fury deals damage equal to the sacrificed creature's power to any target and is a tapped red land on the other side. So it's just fling. Like you just get to play fling in your deck for free. That's great (laughs) that's great like i'd never run those kinds of cards but there are times when those cards are quite powerful potentially even game-winning effects and so like are you here's an interesting question right like something like kazool's fury are you pack one pick wanting this and does it push you into red like that's where the tension is for me more like i'm 100 percent picking these highly and running them but like when to pick them and when do you when do you let them push you into a color uh, i'm gonna start the format assuming that they're high picks and their reasons to be in a color much like we were talking about with deserts in in amonkhet remastered or hour of devastation or whatever like those were those were fine cards to be the first card in a color you picked. 
And I think the power of having those split cards, even when they're just situational effects, is too good to pass up on. So I want to start the format by saying, hey, I'm going to take these very highly. And then I'll see if if it starts to feel like, eh, you're running too many situational. It's just hard to imagine. Like the only way I could see not wanting to take these highly is if we're going to be scrapping for playables, you know? Like if I feel like I can't quite afford to take these lands super highly because by the end of the pack, I'm scraping too much for for good cards to fill those, whatever, 21, 22 actual spells that I need. I'm, th- I'm thinking of the ones that are situational, like Song Mad Treachery, let's say. That's the Act of Treason and the Red Tapped Land. I'm thinking of that like right now, like the tipping point for me is between C plus and B minus, right? Like that's that's where the rub is. Like, do you take it as a B minus and let you pull it into a red? And I think you're not taking this over something that's busted, right? Like something that's a very good card on its own. Or whatever that, that common red removal spell is. It's like one and a red deal three and then as kicker deal five. Um, like maybe you're, you're taking that over these potentially or, or the, the situational ones. Right. I think it's it'll be interesting to see where they line up against the the very best commons. That that sort of thing. That's where they're at power level wise in my head. Like the the situational ones. Yeah, that makes sense. And they just go up from there. Yeah, for sure. Right. We're talking about like the worst ones and the worst ones are at at worst to C plus. Yes. All right. So that's enough double faced carding. We're gonna move on to party. Um so we're gonna try to give a quick breakdown of this, but I think it's there's a lot to dive into here for party. So there's a breakdown of party. There's two different ways you can look at it, right? There's party by like which party members are in which colors. And there's also you can take a look at it by class and see which which colors support which class. Mm-hmm. So we're going to first take a look at by color. So when we saw earlier looking at the gold cards, the blue, white, and black, red were the party matters uh, color pairs. And the reason is for that each color gets assigned a class being primary, secondary, and tertiary. So in white, clerics are primary, warriors are secondary, and wizards are tertiary. In blue, wizards are primary, rogues are secondary, clerics are tertiary. So each color gets one, two, three, and then the fourth type, there are none. So for example, in white, there are no rogues. But the thing that's special about blue, white, and black, red is that you get all four creature types as primary and secondary in those. So white has cleric warrior as primary, secondary, and blue has wizard rogue as primary and secondary. Okay, okay, okay. So so if you're blue, white, you get one of each of the four types as the two main types in that color pair. And same deal for black and red. Black has rogue cleric as primary, secondary, and red has warrior wizard as primary, secondary. So again, you get rogue cleric warrior wizard as a black red. But if you're blue black, for example, you get wizard rogue cleric in the primary, secondary, and you only get warrior as a tertiary in black and none of it in blue. So it's going to be harder to get a full party in color pairs that aren't blue, white, and black, red. I get. I think that's the main takeaway. And then you can remember we saw like blue, red was wizard matters and blue has that as primary, red has that as secondary, white, black was cleric matters, white, that's primary, black, that's secondary. Right. And so that's where you take a look at it from the other earth. The other direction is from the perspective of the classes. So each class um, gets a color pair like that cares about that class. So clerics is white, black, rogues is blue, black, warriors is red, white, wizards is blue, red. So each one of those four color pairs is going to have like cares about this class type thing. And then the, the color that's primary in that class also gets like self-contained cards within that color that care about that creature type. So blue gets wizards matter type cards that only care about wizards. Red gets warrior cards that cares about warriors doing certain things, so on and so forth. That makes sense. And then why is green not invited to the party? <laughs> yeah, poor green. <laughs> so green is tertiary in all of them. Um, so it's going to have a smattering of each of the four creature types and is maybe going to be some glue to bind them, bind them all together. And I think green is from what we saw earlier, looking to do some other sweet things as far as landfall and green, black plus one plus one counters, blue, green kicker. Like it looked like there was some serious support at uncommon for green doing other things that are not partying. Yeah, for sure. Any party cards that stick out to you that you want to take a look at? Yeah, the first one is Deadly Alliance. This card is nuts. This is four and a black for an instant and costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. Ooh. Even at at a one cost reduction, this is quite good. Like just four mana instant speed, destroy a thing. And if you've got two party members out, it's a splashable murder. And anything past that, it's absurd. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I have no idea. This feels like 
trying to evaluate city's blessing all over again. Like how easy is it going to be to have two or three different party members in play? My my current stance is it's going to be very easy to have two party members. And I think you're going to have to do a little more work to get to three and four, but that four is definitely going to be doable in white, blue and black, red. And I think there's also going to be green decks that can do a full party pretty well. It looks like there's maybe support for green multicolor stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk about those in, in just a little bit. There's also some other sweet ones here. There's Seafloor Stalker. This is a card that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, this is two and a blue for a two, three Merfolk Rogue. You can pay four and a blue to give it plus one, plus oh until end of turn and can't be blocked. And this ability costs one less to activate for each creature in your party. So potentially, if you have a full party, there's no, like, you can only do this once in a turn, right? So if you have four blue mana or whatever and you have a full party... You're going to be able to make this a 6-3 unblockable. You are living in magical Christmas land right now. No, this card is, I'm telling you, this card is going to be great. I think this card is great, but it is not going to be great for the times when you pump it four times in a turn. You don't think you're going to do that and end the game? I think you are, but I don't think that's going to happen very often. Or even if you're doing it for one and a blue, like, and you're turning it into a, a whatever, a five, three. I just I think like, this card is going to be terrifying on the other side of the battlefield. I agree. This I'm not saying this card isn't good. I'm just saying like you keep, I, I think the thing to think about for party, at least where I'm coming from is like the times when I have these four creatures in play, I'm doing well. The game is going well for me. So I don't need to worry about then I have this other upside that's happening, you know? Like, I really want to look at these cards and the times like, well, when I've got two creatures, what is this doing for me? And again, it's important to remember, this is never going to cost five mana. It's always going to cost four mana. Right. And I think even if it's costing three mana, like this is just going to be a good card. I think in in any of those circumstances, I think a threat of activation is going to be very real. Well, what do you mean threat of activation? Like your opponent's going to have to respect this as an unblockable threat. That can't, that's not threat of activation. But I mean... But sure, if you wanna if you wanna haggle over <laughs> I do. linguistics. <laughs> I do a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think this card is good. I mean the, the the floor of a three mana two three that works towards your party and that then can potentially just be your win condition, that's pretty great at common. Right. Your opponent is gonna have to respect this as a win condition. Agreed. Next one, this is looking real good. This is Shepherd of Heroes. Four and a white for a three four flyer, and when it ETBs, you gain two life for each creature in your party. Like, this card blows my mind, especially coming off of playing a lot of Amonkhet Remastered, where Aven of Enduring Hope is great as a 5-mana 3-3 flyer that gains 3 when it ETBs. So this is a 5-mana 3-4 flyer that gains 2 no matter what when it enters the battlefield. And And it's frequently going to be able to gain 4 or 6, I think, with little work. Right. And that seems bonkers to me. Like, you're going to have one other creature on the battlefield when you're casting your 5-drop most of the time. Yes. Right. uh, This card is... This has to be in the top three white commons, right? I would assume so. And I would assume I'm going to be casting this card a lot. Yeah. And a card like this and and, and when we're seeing black, white have, you know, clerics matter, life gain matters. There seems to be incidental life gain floating around. It's already sort of giving me just li- and, and the amount of X1 hate that exists. It's already giving me little inklings of like, how good is aggro going to be in this format? Well, and just this card being at the intersection of all those things is going to make it a high pick, right? The fact that there's clerics, life gain, shuts down aggro, like it just does so many things. Right. And wait, it's not like only control decks want this, like aggressive decks want this too. Like as, as your top end, especially, can you imagine if you're racing and then your opponent slams this and gains four or six life? The game's over. Yeah, for sure. Oof. Next up is Seagate Colossus. This is an interesting one. Uh, this is seven mana artifact for a seven five golem warrior and casts one less to cast for each creature in your party. I'm not that excited about this card. Yeah, so at best, it's a three mana seven five. Average case is probably going to be five mana, six mana, seven five. Right. Like the best case scenario is it's not, is like you're curving Two drop, three drop, four drop. Maybe you lose one of those along the way. And then the two remaining are different types. And then you get to cast this on turn five. Yeah, it's not ideal. That's not ideal. I don't I don't think this is that great. Synchronized Spellcraft is the last one we're going to take a look at here. What's this one? This is four in a red for an instant. Synchronized Spellcraft deals four damage to target creature and X damage to that creature's controller where X is the number of creatures in your party. So this has feelings of Searing Barrage from Throne of Eldraine to me. Yeah, I agree. I think it looks a little less good than that. Right. Dealing four is significantly less than dealing five, though we don't quite know like what the magic number is in the format yet. Um, but oftentimes you want your five mana 
burn spell in red to deal five. And, you know, thinking about it being, you know, probably dealing two damage to the opponent a lot of the time. I mean, if this is deal four, deal four, that's really strong. I just don't know how often that's going to happen. Right. I am not super high on synchronized spellcraft, but I think it's a cool card. Yeah, I agree. Ben, I got some bad news for you, buddy. (laughs) What is that? There's a lot of Ben Werney Why Me cards in this format. There's not one, not two, but three situational counter spells that you are going to get got by. Lay them on me. So we've got Concerted Defense, which is single blue for an instant and uncommon counter target non-creature spell unless its controller pays one plus an additional one for each creature in your party. I mean, that should not be main decked, right? Yeah, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get got by it. <laughs> that's just that's just terrible branding on my part, right? Like it <laughs> yeah. gets got by terrible counter spells yeah. there's another one of these modal double face cards there's jawari perturbation which is one in a blue for an instant counter target spell unless this controller pays one so just straight up four spike for two mana but then the flip side is an etb tapped blue land that card is very good right? yes yes i've seen i've seen people talking about how this one is not that good like i just <laughs> they're all very good <laughs> Right, like that one, if it's in your opener, you are going to be able to craft the turn where you counter a spell from your opponent, and then whenever you top deck it, it's just a land. And that's fine. Just count it as a land in your deck. And then last up is a common anti-cognition, one on a blue, counter target creature or planeswalker spell, unless its controller pays two. And then this is the mill clause. If an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard, instead you just straight up counter that spell and then scry two. Ben, you just gotta be, you gotta hold up two mana the whole game. (laughs) <laughs> pretty much i mean so anti-cognition's pretty playable especially in blue black i think you know if you're if you're getting to where you're turning that ability on and this is two mana counter something scry two that's very powerful right yeah so this one is actually good and juari per, per, perturbi <laughs> i can't better, say that you better get the name right because you're gonna be saying it a lot when you see it on the other side of the battlefield and Juari Perturbation is also very good. Yeah, so I'm, so I'm sorry for you, buddy. Yeah, it's not looking great for me. I just like, I'm just very, I think you need to pre- mentally prepare yourself for people playing concerted defense against you in best of one. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, I did want to take a look at a few cards in this blue black mill sub theme. I don't think we quite know how easy it will be to get your opponent to eight cards, but with cards like Mind Drain, like, I'm kind of wondering if if Mind Rod is maybe playable in this archetype. I, I usually don't think it's a main deckable card, but here we've got two and a black for a sorcery, target opponent discards two cards, they mill a card, and then they lose a life, you gain a life. So this this on its own puts three cards in your opponent's graveyard. I think that's a lot. That is a lot. I, I can't imagine it's going to be a high pick, but potentially playable in the archetype. Yeah, I think that's fair. We've seen Incidental Mill tacked onto some other effects. We've got Glacial Grasp. This is Tuna Blue for an instant tap target creature. Its controller mills two cards. That creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step and draw a card. Yeah, so we've seen this card before, like Crippling Chill, but now it just has Mill 2 tacked onto it for this uh, this deck. And Crippling Chill was a good card. Yeah, but Crippling Chill was like a tempo aggro card. Like it can play defense because it cantrips, so it's like never terrible. But ideally, you're using it to push damage, I think. Yeah, I I think so too. So we sort of alluded to this a little bit earlier in terms of like there being X1 hate. There's a mini sweeper at Uncommon. What does Cinderclasm do? This is one in a red for an instant with a kicker of a red, and it deals one damage to each creature. If it was kicked, it deals two damage to each creature instead. This is very powerful. This this feels like it preys on aggro decks. Yeah, because the the landfall creatures are all intrinsically low base power and toughness stats. Exactly. Right, right, right. Speaking of the mill sub theme, there may be an entire mill deck. We've got Ruin Crab. This is single blue for an O3 crab, and whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent mills three cards. Unfortunately, this is an uncommon, so it's going to be a little harder to assemble the dream, but I imagine someone will do it and will tweet at us. Yeah, I've bet. What do you mean someone will do it? I'm going to do this. Are you, are you not going to do this? <laughs> oh, I'm certainly going to do this. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you loved mill. I do. It's interesting that like, The mill deck seems to not really care about milling your opponent as a win condition. It just cares about getting to that eight card threshold and then having all of your cards have their bonuses. Right. I think there also does look to be the tools to just mill your opponent out as well if you go a little deeper. Yeah. Fans of casting multicolored spells rejoice. Black gets mana fixing in this format. This there's a there's an aura here at Uncommon in Lithiform Blight. It's one on a black for an aura enchant land. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. An enchanted land loses all land types and abilities and has tap, add colorless, or tap, pay one life, add one mana of any color. 
Yeah, it's kind of flavorful for black. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm excited about this card. Speaking of mana fixing, green looks like it does get to do some of that, but it is not looking like uh, super hot as far as commons go. And just as, as far as looking at what other colors get in comparison. So you've got a card here. I, we might we might have some some arguing about this one. White gets Centaur Courser with Upside. I don't know if I'm convinced about that. So far sided up two and a white for a three three. When enters the battlefield, you and target opponent each draw a card. Like I'm not saying that this is a great card, but green just straight up has two and a green three three flavor text, and I think this is a better card than that. I'm not. It just it depends, right? The the person that gets to take advantage of this is the person that has like is more aggressive, I think. Right. And you get to decide when you put this card in your deck. Right. Like you're not putting this card in your white control deck. Right. But and the times when you are trying to go like one drop, two drop, three drop. This is the card you want on turn three. Well, and also could be could be unique in that it's a wizard and that is tertiary for white so like could could be important because it has a relevant creature type that white doesn't get very often yeah i think that's fair too but like also why is black getting a four mana four three in highborn vampire or a five mana five four landfall gains indestructible in dreadworm like what does green get to do anymore didn't green used to be the color <laughs> for stats and i'm not trying i'm like trying to i'm gonna keep myself in check here i'm not trying to go into the format like i did with m21 and miss on some cards you know like I'm going to keep an open mind here. I think green does have certainly like blue green kicker looks sweet. White green landfall looks sweet, but like green on its own so far, it's commons are not exciting me. Right. I think green green looks like it's going to do like be a little bit of a jack of all trades. And I think it's going to take a little bit more work to crack the green code than some of the other stuff. Like some of the other stuff is more straight up here. Do this one linear thing really well. I think green's a little more flexible. There are some sweet things green gets. Uh, first up is Jiraga Visionary. This is three and a green for a three, two elf wizard. And when it ETBs, you draw a card. That is busted, right? Yeah, that's really, really powerful. I mean, just raw value. Right, and it's a creature type. It's a wizard. So that's that's also good. There's also Nissa's Zendikon. This is a throwback to these enchant lands from original Zendikar. This is three and a green for an aura enchant land. Enchanted land is a four, four elemental creature with reach and haste. It's still a land. And when enchanted land, dies return that card to its owner's hand I, I sort of shrugged this off but i didn't quite realize until you put in the show notes how it works with the modal double-faced cards yeah you're gonna have to play one of those early as a tap land no problem slap a nissa zendikon on there and then whenever it dies you get your spell back that is gas speaking of green i'm curious about this card spring mantle cleric is like multicolor green a thing this is four and a green for a two three elf cleric and uncommon it enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it for each color of mana spent to cast it. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're casting this for the full spectrum, it's a five mana seven, eight at its best. I mean, there are some cards in green that lets you search up basic lands. And I think if you're searching up basic lands, you're going to have the fixing, right? Right. Well, even I mean, so the floor of this is generally going to be a five mana four, five, right? Right. If you're a two color deck and then just like fine, but not exciting. Fine, but not exciting. But yeah, if you get into that, that five, six, six, seven, seven, eight territory, that's that's pretty spicy. Right. We also alluded to green being a little bit of glue. So there's there's two cards here that are party glue cards that have been spoiled so far. Uh, first one is Veteran Adventurer. This is five and a green for a five, five. It's a human and is also a cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard. That feels a little clunky to me, but I mean, yeah. that's what it takes to enable party. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm in. The spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party, and it has vigilance. I don't know. This card does not excite me at all. I mean, if you look at it as a four mana, five, five vigilance that's going to fill out your party, I mean, that's pretty good, right? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like if you assume you have two, two, two party members on the battlefield. Again, I just don't know. Like, are, are we assuming we're always going to have two two party members on the battlefield? You always have two creatures in play in Magic? I mean, most of the time. Guess so. Next up, move over Prismite. There's Stonework Pack Beast in town. Two mana, two, one artifact. It's also a cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard. And you can pay two to add one mana of any color. Right. This was this is the one that's like eyebrow raise. I mean, I am not about flavor, but how is a pack beast, a cleric, a rogue, a warrior, and a wizard? Yeah, I, I don't know. There's like a couple of humans behind it, I guess. Yeah. In the art. I don't know. Yeah. This is a card that shouldn't be a high pick, and I am very wary of it having one toughness. Yes, agreed. I think you're, you're hoping to not play that card, right? I think so. I mean, like, I think this is like a begrudging, man. I really, I have all these like party payoff stuff, and I need to make it work. Because there's cards like 
this insane black combat trick subtle strike in the format ben this is one in a black for an instant choose one or both target creature gets minus one minus one until end of turn or put a plus one plus one counter on target creature and you could do both you remember skullduggery from ixalan i know and this puts like puts a counter that was just plus one plus one until end of turn i am so hyped about subtle strike yeah this just makes me like i know you are i think to perhaps an extreme more than I am in Amiket Remastered. You're on the like never any X1s in my deck because of Black Cartouche and Splendid Agony. This is that card for this format. I agree. Well, I just don't think in Amiket Remastered to detour a little bit here. In best of one, I don't think you can afford to fold to those cards. I think you fold to those cards when you're when you're basing your aggressive deck on a lot of X1s. So next up, we've got Blood Beckoning to take a look at. This is a split card between Raise Dead and Soul Salvage. It's black for a sorcery, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand, and then has Kicker 3, and if it was kicked, you get two creature cards instead from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, I like that this is flexible. I think that makes it quite better. I mean, shockingly, flexible cards are good. Split cards are good. It just depends on how grindy the format is slash how grindy black decks are. But I think this is my my general feeling is that these are like good one ofs in most black decks. It looks like a C minus D plus type card to me. Yeah, I think C minus is where I'd land on it. All right, Ben, we got some takes here as we as we're rounding out the episode. So will into the Royal be the best blue common? This is back one in a blue instant Kicker one blue, you can return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. If this spell was kicked, draw a card. So we saw this in Dominaria as Blink of an Eye as a functional reprint of this. And this is a, a cube staple a lot of the time. It's a powerful effect. Yeah, I think it's not crazy to go out on a limb and say this is probably going to be the best blue common. I think, you know, maybe a little early to do that, but certainly a very powerful card. Looks to play nicely also with Risen Riptide, which is something I'm hyped about playing with. Yeah, this is a cool combo. This is two and a blue for an 05 elemental, and whenever you cast a kicked spell, Risen Riptide has base power and toughness 5-5 until end of turn. So just, if your opponent has Risen Riptide and four open mana, don't attack into Risen Riptide. Right. Like, just don't do it, because you're going to get wrecked by Into the Royal. Well, or even like on the beatdown plan, right? If you only leave back one blocker, they bounce it and hit you for five. Yeah. That's pretty gross. All right, Ben, we're going to end the episode here with a little segment that I think maybe we'll we'll return to in these future preview episodes. This is, is this great or garbage? So we have, to give you a little behind the scenes look, we have done two of these so far and have laid yeah. it on. Okay, so first up, we've got Raccoon. We're kind, of, we're kind of blowing the crash course a little bit here with this, but I, I'm, I'm kind of into it. That's my favorite part anyway. So first up, we've got Akum Hellhound. This is, again, a functional reprint of Steplinks, single red for an 01 elemental dog. And as landfall, it gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. So Ben, great or garbage? I'm on great, right? Wasn't Steplinks OP? That was 10 years ago, though. I think X1s are bad. This doesn't have party types. I'm I'm on garbage here for Akum Hellhound. I mean, I think if you're playing white-red beatdown or red-green beatdown, you're going to be picking this highly and putting it in your deck. Now, whether or not that ends up being good in the format, I could see, you know, aggro and landfall beatdown not being good, but I think this is going to be a good card in those decks. And now whether or not those decks are good remains to be seen. Okay. Next up, Scale the Heights. This is two and a green for a sorcery. Put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature. You gain two life, and you may play an additional land this turn. Draw a card. Greater garbage, Ethan. I want this to be great. I, I'm, I'm starting on great with Scale the Heights. This looks... I, I bet you're on garbage. <laughs> this just looks like garbage to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, so this depends on a lot here, but uh, if I... I guess... Is there any intersection of like counters matter and landfall matters? Probably not. I mean, green white is landfall, green black is counters. It it, it ramps. It's like it's a it's a three mana explorer with pretty significant upside. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We haven't seen a lot of ways to get multiple lands in play in a single turn. So that's something that's exciting me about Scale the Heights. I'm, I'm going great. You're going to have to have like, you're going to feel so terrible if you don't have a two drop though. <laughs> Who needs two drops? I mean, but right. Are you happy if this is your turn three play and you don't have a creature on the battlefield? No, but I mean, what hand are you talking about that I've kept where I don't do anything on turn two and I don't have anything better to do on turn three? That sounds like a mulligan. Sure. I don't know. It could be terrible. Next up is Spare Supplies. This is two mana for an artifact. ETBs tapped. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. And you can pay two mana, tap it, and sacrifice it to draw another card. Please be great. Please be great. <laughs> that's good. that's where I'm at also. Please be great. Please, a <laughs> colorless divination is pretty sweet at It's common. interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem to have any, there's no like synergies, right? Like there's nothing that cares about you sacrificing stuff. I don't know. There's no way to like bounce it. I guess you could into the royal it and then 
rebuy the ETB to draw another card. That seems like maximum dirtle. Uh, have you met me? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to land on hopefully great, but I, it probably is not. I'm curious about this card. Feed the Swarm. One in a black for a sorcery. Destroy target creature or enchantment and opponent controls. You lose life equal to that permanence converted mana cost. First copy is great, and then there's significant diminishing returns. Unsurprisingly, I agree. Yeah, I mean, and maybe maybe better than that in white-black, depending on how much life gain there is. Oh, that's fair, yeah. But it's pretty crazy that black has two unconditional removal spells at common, and one of them isn't like a Bone Splinters type effect. Like, they both are just like, you get to kill the thing. Like, yeah, you have to right. pay, pay life for one of them, but that's pretty wild to me. Next up is Bubble Snare. This is blue for an enchantment aura, enchant creature. When Bubble Snare enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, tap enchanted creature has kicker for two and a blue. An enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. I think this might be great. Is that crazy? Whoa. That feels crazy. I mean, this is going to leave the creature on the battlefield for party. That feels like a significant knock against it already. I don't know. Maybe maybe you care about kicker enough that you want a removal spell that has kicker, like to turn on your kicker synergies. Well, I'm more like in any sort of racing scenario, the, the tempo of this for a single mana to remove your opponent's creature, that's quite powerful. That enables a pretty great turn for you to double spell. Yeah, you're right. Single blue. All right, maybe this is great. Like, just think about the times when you've cast Unquenchable Thirst without deserts, and you're just like... Like, not without deserts in your deck, but just like, I haven't drawn one yet, but I, you've attacked with a thing, and I just get to keep it tapped. You do that for one mana, and then the time there are times you pay for, and yeah, I hadn't even considered, like, well, you've got some stuff that cares about kicker, and that's upside. I don't know. I think I think this is better than it looks. All right, I'm into it. Oh, this card. Lull Mage's Domination. Triple blue X costs three less to cast if it targets a creature whose controller has eight or more cards in their graveyard and you gain control of target creature with converted mana cost x this is a sorcery at uncommon i mean you're gonna have to do some work to enable it i think it's borderline garbage if you don't have the the eight eight card text turned on where it costs three less even then triple blue i mean it's it's a control magic it's gonna be good when you do the thing but i think i think doing the thing does include them having eight or more cards in their graveyard. I think that's true. That that makes me want to lean a little bit more towards garbage than great. It's like build around great, I guess. It's build around great. I mean, it's not garbage. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a control magic effect. It's a control magic. Yeah, you pay eight mana to steal their two drop. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Next up, we've got practice tactics. This is white for an instant. Choose target attacking or blocking creature. Practice tactics deals damage to that creature equal to twice the number of creatures in your party. I missed that twice part the first time I read this card. Yeah, these type of effects are always tough to evaluate for me because the floor of this is obviously garbage and there's there's certainly blowout potential right like if you try and cast this and then they kill one of your party members and now this is dealing two damage not four damage i this is probably garbage right i mean i think it's more like average <laughs> that's not really an option <laughs> it's not an option ben <laughs> but i we think those it, I takes think, like, it, it's fine i mean you'll you'll play it in a blue white party deck i think it's efficient certainly um i, I think this card is i I'm, i think it on the great to garbage spectrum i think it's average and slightly closer to great especially in best of one interesting all right i mean it is cheap and when i was very impressed by was it swift something or out, oh, outflank from uh throne of eldraine right yeah all right mr party what do you think about thwart the grave this is four black black for a sorcery it costs one less to cast for each creature in your party and you can return target creature card and up to one target cleric, rogue, warrior, or wizard creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. I mean, it's really powerful. This card seems busted to me. Yeah. I mean, as I, we haven't seen a lot of like discard shenanigans or reanimate shenanigans, but just like getting two cards back for six mana, like you're, you're getting a two for one every time you cast this card. I can't believe that that stupid O3 crab, you can't mill yourself. <laughs> yeah it's such a bummer yeah can't go deep next up we've got kabira outrider this is the one we talked about before the show 
Uh, this is three and a white for a three three human warrior. When it ETBs, target creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn for each creature in your party. Yeah, I mean, I think this is great. I, I am on garbage. This is at its worst. It's four mana three three. A creature gets plus one plus one. Yes. I mean, in theory, unless the other creature you have is a warrior, the other creature is going to get be going to be contributing to your party, and it's going to get plus two plus two, and that probably enables an attack with that two drop if it didn't already have an attack. Yeah. That's what like that's what your aggro decks want from their four drops is to push damage. I learned this from you, Ben. Yeah. I mean, but I like I don't see why you don't like this card. Blue blue white party looks like it wants to be controlling to me. I mean, maybe and maybe it maybe it just giving plus two plus two is enough. I can't imagine this being a high pick. This looks like filler in an aggressive party deck to me. Like this is not Bosri's Acolyte. No, but it's like Gale Swooper. No, because it doesn't have flying. This is worse than both of those cards. Yeah, I said like. <laughs> I said it, it is akin to. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're going to come up on this card. We'll see. We'll see. Last up, we've got Acquisitions Expert. One on a black for a 1-2 human rogue at Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals a number of cards from their hand equal to the number of creatures in your party. You choose one of those cards, that player discards that card. Greater garbage, Ben. I think this card is kind of garbagey. I think this card is great. Do you? For sure. So the floor is Burglar Rat. Floor is Burglar Rat. But but the floor isn't even Burglar Rat because it's got good types. It's Burglar Rat Rogue. Yeah, you're right. Uh, all right. I'm on. Uh, you're right. This is a great card. This is not your hate of Kitesail Freebooter has to you got to shake that off here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. This this is great. And and also is going to put cards in the yard, like put a card in the yard towards your blue black deck getting to that eight card threshold. This is great. I'm so pumped for the rest of the set to come out and to do the crash course because this set seems incredibly complex to me like landfall kicker party changing your evaluation of like every creature type that has one of those four types is pretty wild and the modal double face cards are gonna be like really interesting draft picks yeah there's a lot going on in this set for sure and it feels sort of feels sort of ikoria-esque in that like there are these three gigantic things right in party landfall and kicker uh-huh that that you can like sort of build your archetypes around and that each color pair is going to lean into ones and finding the color pairs that are on the intersections of those and how that impacts your draft is all going to be pretty sweet. Yeah, can't wait. All right, great place to wrap us up as always. Thank you to Salty Pretzels for our brand spanking new intro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you, as always, to Channel Fireball for sponsoring the podcast. If you're heading on over to CFB to purchase anything, CFB Pro, cards, packs, other swag, please use the code LOL, all caps, at checkout to let them know about us sending you there. You can also check us out on Twitch and Twitter. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. You can tweet at us on those same usernames, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.